all your props. <laughs> all right. Good morning. Let me get all set up here. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, aren't we a peculiar people? A uh, strange group of folks. Yeah, that's good. That'll work. We, we just sang a song about the wondrous cross. Hey, you know, we sing that song, and we, it's a cool song. I mean, and it's an old one, and it's been around for a long time, but you ever thought about what a contradiction that is? Wow. The cross was a terrorist's implement. They hung people on crosses, and they just left them there for all the other people to be afraid of the Roman government who had power over them, and so that they could see those as a marker every day when they came in and out of the cities of the power of their oppressor. Hmm. We're a strange people. There's all kinds of those things that we see in Scripture. There's all kinds of things that we see in the history of the people of God that show that dichotomy. And it's really a reflection of the very nature of God who made all things. Now, when I say he made all things, I want you to get a picture of how much that is. (laughs) You know, they say there's enough stars in the universe that if you took all the stars, there would be like a billion for every grain of sand on every seashore in in the world. A billion. And that's the best they can figure because they can't even see them all. And I don't know who counted them. (laughs) But just think about how big that is. How amazing God is. How worthy of praise. How immense in our understanding of his love and his grace and his mercy and his power and his dominion forever and ever. How amazing that is. How huge it is. How beyond all understanding. And yet, he is so humble that he came and he lived among us. Was born as a baby. And died on one of those crosses. That's how humble he is. He is great and he is small. He is powerful and he was helpless. On our behalf. And the whole history of the Jewish peoples and then the Christian people and our own lives are filled with those, you know? Sometimes we have things that come into our lives and we cry out to God to remove them, but they're the biggest blessing he ever gave us. (laughs) And some of the biggest blessings that we have ever experienced are things that plague us later in life, right? Right? It's just the nature of what we are and where we're at and what's going on. And one of the best places to go and to see that played out over and over again is in the Psalms. And I'm going to have to give you a little history because maybe not all of you know this history. So I'll give you a little bit of it just to give you a taste. But most of the Psalms, a lot of the Psalms were written by David. David was the second king in Israel. He was... um, It was from his line that would come the Savior. In fact, 
Jesus was called son of David as one of his titles because he came from the line of David, the king. Now, David, when he was first anointed to be king, he was just a little kid. Maybe, maybe junior high age. Just a kid. And there was already a king, Saul. See, Saul became king because the people came to God and they said, God, we're not like other people. You know, we want to be like other people. We want to have a king like everybody else. So give us a king. Could we have a king, please? We don't want to be weird. We don't want to be outside of the normal family of the the nations around us. We want to be like everybody else and have a king. So we can be proud of our king and and our king can go forth and he can have the glory of our our country and the people that we are. We, We want a king to represent us. And God said, well, you have one. Me. Yeah, well, yeah, of course, it's all good. You know, we've, we, we understand, God, that you are, of course, our Lord. But we want to be like everybody else. We want to have a king. And so could you please give us a king? And they, so God says, well, let me, let me tell you what kings do. They tax you. They send you out to war. They say crazy things on Twitter. <laughs> and they just do not always do what you hope that they would do, Right? And the people said, yeah, 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 it's okay. We'd like to have a king. So God says, okay, I'll give you a king. You're not going to like it, but I'm going to give you one. So they had Saul, and he was king for a little while, and then he did something that just didn't follow God's rule. And God says, I'm going to take the kingship away from you, and so I'm going to go find somebody else. So he had Samuel the prophet go and find David. David was a little shepherd boy. He rejected all of his older brothers, and he anointed David as king. And David then immediately became king, right? No, he didn't. And Saul knew all about him being anointed to be king, and Saul was kind of upset about that. In fact, it made him nuts. So he did everything he could to try to kill David. So David had to flee. Now, we know that there was the other thing about the stone and killing Goliath, and he did led all these battles, and David was really good in battle. He was a really good general. He was about high school age, and he was a really good general. Wow, that's amazing. You know, they... People would say, yeah, Saul's killed his hundreds and David has killed his thousands. Boy, that made Saul happy. So for years and years, David was exiled and had to run all the time, constantly in fear, constantly separated from the fellowship of his people constantly separated from being able to go to the temple and offer worship and sacrifices, was instructed to his people. He, he felt far from all of that that was the history of that which he was anointed to lead. And he felt despair. And the Psalms, many of the Psalms record his deep, deep longing and depression and despair. Why would God do that? Why would God put his anointed in that place? Was the anointing false? Is my calling false? Why am I suffering? And you hear David crying out over and over and over again. And so that's the background of Psalms 42. Um, I've asked them to have all of Psalms 42, but 
we may run out of time because this is so layered and so deep and so amazing, so powerful, so personal. And for many of you, these can be your own words. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With a voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. O my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore, I remember thee from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon, from the Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the sound of thy waterfalls. All thy breakers and thy waves have rolled over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and his song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have thou forsaken me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemies? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. The help of my countenance and my God. Wow. That's a man who's deeply, deeply calling out to God. And he has enemies all around him. And even his friends probably said, man, why don't you just give up, man? I mean, gee, it's just not working out for you. But I want you to see a couple things about David first. And, you know, in most, it, when, you go to a, when you go to a Bible college, they teach you how to do a sermon. They always say, you know, remember to have an introduction, three points, a poem, and a conclusion. You know, well, fortunately, we're doing a poem, so that'll take care of that. <laughs> and, and this is really, it, it's a song. You know, it, 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 it's funny that this is, this is a song. You know, if you read at the top of it, it says a mascal for the sons of Korah, which means this was on the hit parade. This was, this was a biggie. This was in the top 10 or top 20 that they would sing a lot because the sons of Korah were known to be praise warriors. They were people who uh, were appointed and, and actually gave their whole lives to the worship and the leading of worship. Uh, in God's temple. And so any psalm that David would have written that the sons of Korah took and made into a choir piece that everybody would sing means that it was a big, it was a, a, an important song. It was one that they liked to sing a lot. And so this, this one, I mean, you can imagine going to, to church and saying, oh, my soul is downcast in me. But we do that all the time. We did that this morning, Right? Right? I'm too proud to ask. 
We do it all the time. That's what this is. So David's song here is he, he first does something I think that's beautiful when we're faced with despair. He recognizes that the source of the despair or the cause of the despair isn't what he first would like to do, which is to blame somebody. I'm in a tough spot because my boss just doesn't like me. I'm in a tough spot because my wife doesn't understand me. I'm in a tough spot because the, the nation is in a, in a weird place where we're all divided and everything's screwed up. I'm in a tough spot because I just don't like what I'm doing. I'm in a tough spot. You fill in the blank. He doesn't do that. What he says was, I am longing for God. I am so longing for God in this place. This place has brought me this despair, this depression that I'm feeling has made me recognize how much I pant after God, how much I thirst for him. Job, in all the despair that he faced, he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'd like to be there but I sure don't want to go through what Job had to go through to get there. And yet, who knows? Right? David, for decades, when do I get to be king? It must be Saul's. Saul said, just resign so I can be king. But you see, God didn't want David to be a king when he would have that in his heart. And he wasn't going to become king until that was gone. Does that make sense? Who wants to volunteer? <laughs> and yet you have. You are there. All of you. All of you face things. All of you face things. And if you're saying in your mind right now, well, I haven't. Look out. Because <laughs> it'll come on all of us. It'll come to all of us at some level. Because God wants us to be the very thing that he wants us to be. He wants us to know him and know him so intimately that we understand both the great and the small. And he's called us to live there. Sometimes we just want to be the great. Sometimes we only think we're the small. So David starts his psalm by saying, as the deer pants for the water brooks, he acknowledges the fact that he wants to have that fellowship with God. He thirsts for God. His thirst is for the living God. And he asks, when will I appear before him? Which is kind of a funny way to say, I'm in his presence at any moment all the time. But it's because of me that sometimes I don't recognize that. That's the dichotomy right there. Lord, I feel far from you, and yet you're right with me. Lord, I seek you, and I thirst for you, and I hunger for you, and you are my heart's desire. And yet I feel so far away that I can't even feel you. 
David looks inward and says, it's me, God. It's me, O Lord. It's me who cries out. It's me in whose life you're working. It's me who is facing these things and God do your work. He says, my tears have been my food. And they say all day long, where is your God? Then he says, okay. They're saying that where is my God in the daytime? And at night, I weep, I weep, I weep, I weep. The thing I thirst for, the very thing I long for, I'm eating my tears, I'm drinking my tears as food. Oh, it's the both. Where is your God? And then he says, these things I remember and I pour out my soul within me for I used to go along with him in the throng, in the praising, in the thanksgiving, in the festival. And now I am far from that place and my soul is despairing. And why is it disturbed in me? I hope in God for I shall again praise him for the help of my presence. And these things he remembers. And he goes back and it says... And if you look at this, it says in verse 8, he says, the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. Where is your God? The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. Mm. His song will be with me in the night. A prayer to, God of my, to the God of my life. My tears are my food in the nighttime. And his song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. See the both end? It would be something to desire greatly to have the relationship that David had with God. God said, you have a heart after my own. Your heart is after my own. You seek me. And I am going to show you even deeper what that is and what that's like and what it means. I'm going to give you such reason for praise that people will sing the praises that you wrote for all time. I'm going to give you such comfort that when you write down the things that you've been comforted by and the despair that you found yourself in, others will read that and be encouraged and be comforted. That's what I'll do for you. My loving kindness. But it wasn't just David. See, I, I said that history is... It, it, this passage I started to tell you about in Bible college to tell you I have the three points. Well, in this passage, there's not three points. There's three layers. That's how this is constructed because the second layer is David is to be the king and to represent Israel, the people. That's what they called for. They wanted to have a king. So Saul didn't work out. So God said, okay, I'm going to give you David. And David is going to be what I really want him to look like. And he's going to have to suffer to get there. It's going to be tough. But man, he's going to be good. Because he's going to have a heart. He does already have a heart after me. He's going to have a heart that has been formed and molded by the things that I'm going to show him about this. And he is going to show you how to praise and how to have an understanding of my loving kindness. And you as a people then can be represented by that. Your history will show suffering and blessing. You will be my people and I will be your God because I am your king. 
And for us who are, are followers of Christ, here's a kind of a, a Bible college sort of thing. G- David is a type of Christ. What a type of Christ means is that God provided an example so that we could then recognize something later that was more important. And, and so he gave us all kinds of types of Christs. Type meaning uh, not, uh, not the, but an example. Um, Moses was a type of Christ because he brought his people out of slavery. He was, he was not a perfect example. If you read his life history, there's things about... He had, to, he had to be apart from his people for 40 years. And then when he was back with them, he had to lead them in the wilderness for 40 years. But yet he brought them out, and he gave them the law, and he was a type of Christ because he, was a, he brought salvation to the people. And there's many others. But David is also a type of Christ, and he's an interesting one because he's a great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather in human terms. And so his life then represents the people of Israel and Christianity because he represents Christ. And when you think about the life of Christ and what he did, you know, the Old Testament describes Jesus as a man of, of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Man of sorrow, according to his grief. He came and he lived in this world. He said, I, you know, I didn't come of, and to do what I say. I came because the Father sent me. But I digress. I'll get there in a minute. I wanted you to see how then Israel too represents. And that whole history represents. They preserved this. They sang it in worship. We now have it. They could say, our hearts pant for God. Our souls thirst for God. You know, the the people of Israel, well, the leaders of Israel, actually the Pharisees, they believed that, the Pharisees always get a lot of bad stuff. And I'm not going to necessarily help them today. But the Pharisees always got a lot of bad stuff because they were so interested in being holy that they took on the name Pharisee, which means cut off from the rest in order to be holy. They, they wanted to be so perfect in the law so as to then stand before God and be fulfilled in their longing for him. And they believed that if there were a day where everyone in Israel followed the law perfectly, that God would come and rule. And it never happened. Imagine that. You are so set on the holiness and the following of the law and so longing to stand before God, and all the people are messing it up because nobody's following the law and we don't have a perfect day. Ah. Imagine how angry that'd make you (laughs) if that was the way you were wired. (laughs) 
And they so longed for that. And, and you know, the, like I said, the Pharisees get such a bad name, and, they get, and we see that history, and we, we think of what happened in the time of Christ and how he's so persecuted by these folks. Because they saw what Jesus was doing is telling people, look, God is your Savior. And he sent his Son that you might have fellowship with him. And the Pharisees go, no, 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 no. You're telling them they can go on sinning? Why? You can't do that. I, that offends me. Because I've set my whole life on the perfection of the law. And you're telling them that you're just going to give them a pass? That's offensive. And Jesus said, that's exactly what I'm going to do. That's exactly it. You've got it right. All the history. What David exemplified but all that history of the law and the prophets and the, and the teachers and the, the adherence to it and the, the suffering, the struggle, the captivity that exists in that history, all of it pointed to this one little place in time, to this one person who made everything. to this one person who is the object of everything that had gone before, all the praise, all the suffering, all the difficulty, all the wonder, all the blessings, all of that right there. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. You know, we always talk about the triumphal entry. How how amazing that would be. All the people, Hosanna, Hosanna, laying down their coats and laying down the palm branches. And Hosanna, Hosanna, this is great. The king is here. The king is here. We want a king. Which hurt more? Facing the cross? Or hearing that for Jesus. Hmm. Hmm. 42nd Psalm, you know where it calls, it says, the deep calls out to the deep. How the waves overcome. How in the nighttime, you know how your mind just keeps running and you can't get it to shut off. How far we seem to be from the words of praise and goodness. And we cry out, oh God, oh God, oh God. The deep calls out to the deep. And he's there. I want you to recognize that the 42nd Psalm is in the Bible because 
It is so personal. It's in the Bible because God knows you. He knows when you're glad and when you're happy, but he also knows when you're in those places too. It's in the Bible so that I can say and proclaim to you with absolute certainty that when you're in that place and you say, God, where the heck are you? Don't you see my suffering? Don't you see how I long for you? Don't you understand how much pain I'm in? The 42nd Psalm is right here because he's saying, yes. Yes, I know. But I've been there. And I'm there right now. I hear your cry. I hear your cry. In the book of Mark, chapter 15, on the cross, Jesus says, Lama, Lama, Sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He cried out in his pain and in his anguish because he wasn't only bearing the cross, but he was bearing every sin that had ever been sinned that was being sinned presently, and every sin that would be sinned throughout the rest of time. And he was paying the price for all of those. And he became sin, that he who without sin could be sin on our behalf, that by his death we might live. And so when you cry out in your depth of pain, and in your sorrow, and in your suffering, And you say, God, where are you? God, where are you? He's right there. Jesus said, I'll never forsake you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you. You may feel so, but I'm right there. I'll send you a seal of that promise. I'll send you the Holy Spirit that he might dwell in you because you will fail troubles and trials of various kinds. And you'll see blessings and you will see joys and you will see happiness beyond imagining. But with those will come other things too. Don't find them strange or unusual because the testing of your faith will be more valuable than gold, though it's tested by fire. And you will walk in the light with me. David did eventually become king. David did rise to a great level of glory. David did commit murder and adultery. David was blessed by God. 
wherever you go, whatever you do, whoever you are. He calls you into this faith that you might walk in him in full confidence because he's been there. He knows. He knows your deepest hurts and longings. He knows your greatest joys and strengths. He knows everything about you. He made you. He formed you. He's forming you still. And the things that you face are making you into the person he's calling you to be. And if you are called to God, you will become that which God is forming you to be. It's not always fun. But often it is. And one of the greatest blessings is to look back at those times when God was there, when Jesus really encouraged in the darkest places and made you better. I pray that as you see this passage and others of the Psalms where you can go and and cry out and praise and sing the, the goodness of God, I pray that you'll be encouraged that God is making you stronger that he's making you more like himself through what he's doing. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are doing that, and we praise you that you are making us day by day into your people. Not by a heavy burden of work of following the law, but by your grace. Lord, sometimes we find ourselves in places that are difficult and hard, and often it's because of our own choices. And so, Lord, we ask that rather than blaming others, we would seek you and see that you're there, that you're directing our steps and you're making us stronger, and praise you for it. Lord, in your fellowship of faith, There are many things that can divide us. We ask that you unify us in this one understanding that you never forsake us, that you never leave us. And though we may be different people, you know just what's right for us. Lord God, you give and you take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Of course, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Go out and be blessed today.